0: This is Search for Truth, your Bible teaching program with Brian Johnston. Thanks for tuning in. It's great to have your company. Getting real is the theme of this series of 12 Talks. We've already looked at uh, reality in Bible study, prayer times, and living with integrity at home. And over the last two weeks, Brian's looked at our credibility as practicing Christians in the church. And this time we take a third week with that particular subject and see how the early searches functioned and what principles we can use to improve our role in church life. So now to Brian.
1: Thanks, John. Recently one church survey on growing churches summed up its finding with the headline Confident Churches Grow. Think of that for a moment alongside The Bible text from Proverbs 14, verse 26, which says, In the fear of the Lord there is strong confidence. Fear in this sense, of course, means reverence rather than terror. And the message here is that if we are reverencing God, then there's really nothing we need to be afraid of in this life. And the sort of confidence that's produced by a sense of the fear of the Lord would have been the experience of the church throughout all Judea and Galilee and Samaria, which, you remember, enjoyed peace, being built up, and was going on in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit, and so it continued to increase. A holy boldness or confidence was something that did indeed characterise those early Christians. We even read of them joyfully accepting the plundering of their goods. I don't think we're left in any doubt that this was due to the fact that they had a holy boldness towards God. It characterised their worship too, in response to what we read Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way which he opened for us through the curtain, that is, through his flesh, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith. That's from Hebrews 10, verse 19 and on. This confidence or boldness was seen to in the general level of their confident expression of Christian beliefs. For we have come to share in Christ, chapter 3 and verse 14 of Hebrews says, if indeed we hold our original confidence firm to the end. In Acts chapter 4, when the authorities saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated, common men, they were astonished, it says, and they recognised that they had been with Jesus. Even under threat, believers in Jerusalem are recorded as praying that, with all boldness, they might be granted to speak the word of the Lord. The prayer was answered, and we read, and when they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word of God with boldness. Isn't the lesson here, then, that a boldness before God will produce a boldness before men and women? A church which serves in the fear of the Lord will be a church which confidently holds out the word of life. There's no doubt that that was the situation in Acts chapter 9, where we read of this expanding church going forward in the fear of the Lord. This expanding circle of believers, we've said, was going on in the fear of the Lord. But what does that mean in practical terms, beyond the idea of giving a holy boldness, which we've just been briefly exploring? Well, Proverbs 8 and verse 13 defines the fear of the Lord for us when it tells us the fear of the Lord is to hate evil, pride and arrogance. The fear of the Lord is associated with avoiding evil and it's avoiding evil by allowing ourselves to be guided by God's wise counsel When we relate this to the local church context, we'd expect to see Christ-likeness and the fruit of the Spirit as opposed to attitudes and lifestyles which conform to worldly trends. There'll be a deliberate avoidance of sin based on a shared understanding of the Bible's standards of purity and godliness. Holy living will also be humble living with the proper level of subjection as the Bible directs, And all this in a loving atmosphere where real care is being expressed for each other. Well, we've been exploring how the fear of the Lord was certainly known in the Jerusalem church and reaching beyond into the city itself. On one occasion, which we can read about in Acts chapter 5, a husband and wife decided together to lie to the Holy Spirit. They were struck down dead by God in summary judgment. And very understandably, we read on that great fear came upon all the church and upon all who heard these things, and believers were increasingly added to the Lord, multitudes of both men and women. Once more, we come back to the text we're drawing these various features from. It's Acts 9 verse 31. So the church throughout all Judea and Galilee and Samaria enjoyed peace being built up And going on in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit, it continued to increase. We've previously dealt with it being edified or built up, with it going forward, with it experiencing the comfort of the Holy Spirit and what that meant, and we've just finished looking at what the fear of the Lord meant for it. Finally, then it only remains for us to examine the fact that it was increasing. For you notice we read, it continued to increase. In Jerusalem itself in those early days of Christianity, the number of Christians grew and grew. We read of 120 and then 3,000 more and then there's mention of at least 5,000 and then myriads or multitudes, as if they'd lost count of how many. But let's not make the mistake of thinking that this increase is purely a numerical one. In Colossians chapter 1, verses 3-6, to 6, and describing the Gospel's ongoing work in us, we read one of Paul's prayers. We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you, since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love that you have for all the saints, because of the hope laid up for you in heaven. Of this you have heard before in the word of the truth, the gospel which has come to you as indeed in all the world it is bearing fruit and increasing so it also does among you since the day you heard it and understood the grace of God in truth. That definitely deals with our spiritual growth and that's something that certainly impacts on our ability to go on with one another as the early Christians whom we've been thinking about certainly did. It's quite remarkable that the word church is used in the singular in Acts chapter 9. It really confronts us with the reality of how unified these early Christians were. We know by this time there were in fact many churches throughout Judea, not to mention Galilee and Samaria, and yet they're spoken of as one. At Jerusalem there were many companies forming in total one church in that city. And across the named provinces there were many other churches answering to that first one in Jerusalem. But such was the unity of their fellowship together, they could all be bracketed together in the singular here. Remember, this was the answer to the prayer of our Lord in John chapter 17, the most memorable feature of which was his request for unity among those who would believe through the witness the apostles were commissioned to give. In completing our brief sketch of life, as it really ought to be in a local church, it would be good, I think, if we came back to the themes of John chapter 17, which actually are more than simply a single request for unity. Jesus had said earlier in that John chapter 17 prayer that he'd manifested his Father's name. In other words, he'd lived out God's character from day to day. By his harmony with his Father, by his joy, by his holiness, by his obedience and by his passion for souls. Later in his prayer, he asks that his followers might be kept loyal to that same manifestation of the Father's name. Keep them in your name, he prays. Then he unpacks this in five ways. First, that they may be one even as there is unity within the Godhead. In other words, he requests that his disciples be united. That's in verse 11. Second, he prayed, These things I speak in the world, that they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. That is, he asks that they may be joyful. That's in verse 13. Third, he prayed, I do not ask that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. That was a prayer for them to be holy, as protected from evil and from its source in Satan. And we find that in verse 15. Fourth, he said, sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. In other words, his desire was that his followers should live in a way that was biblical. And we find that in verse 17. Fifth, the Lord prays, as you sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. They were to show a passion for souls by being evangelical. And that's in verse 18. This is what the Lord prayed then, hours before he went to the cross. But I think we can assume that this gives us an insight into his ongoing prayers for his disciples throughout this church age. As his own life on earth displayed the name of his father, in terms of the qualities of his life, signifying what the character of his father is, so we're called upon to keep loyal to those same qualities, those of unity, of joyfulness, of holiness, of being biblical and of being evangelical.
0: Thanks Brian for another interesting study. The transcripts of these talks are available in book form with the title Getting Real. If you'd like a copy or you have a question or comment after listening today, just write in by post or email, I'll be giving you the contact details in a moment. Now, the talk you've heard today is also available to download via the internet in audio or text format. And to obtain the book. Simply ask for Getting Real. You can do this by email or by post, and here's our address. Search for Truth, Hayes Press, The Barn, Flaxlands, Royal Wotton Bassett, Swindon, SN48DY, UK. Our email address is sft at churchesofgod.info. Our time has almost gone, but many thanks again for your company. It's been great to have you with us, and Brian will be getting real again next week with a talk on the challenge of our lifestyle. I'd be delighted if you could join us. But until next time, it's very best wishes from Brian and David and our singers and me, John. So goodbye, and may God richly bless you.